nostalgia. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for September 27, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I come back to your di digital village this week with more news from around the world and discussion about something I hope it'll get to your attention. This once a week podcast is hosted on rss.com and also available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Google Podcasts for now, and Deezer. The show is free to subscribe to on all these mobile apps. And I also have a donation tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com if you want to support my activism. Much like passing a hat at the end of my visit to your village. And the reason for that is because I want you to share this with everybody you know. Get up and make a difference in the world before it gets too late. We don't want these corporate millionaires taking over the world and ruining what's left of us uh, and giving us what's more than what we have. So a little about me. I'm an activist of Irish descent and a self-professed Sean Kay, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under your village oak tree where I bring you headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles that are important, but sometimes lost in the shuffle of cable news. These are somewhat obscure stories about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice. For each article I present to you, there will be a link to read the stories in their entirety to, in the follow-up newsletters. Those I post at medium.com and substat.com and in the blog section of my website at crombeha.com. It's more about my website during the break. And I will be taking a break once I've given you the headlines I've picked out. Then after the break, I'll bring you to the second half with today's special topic. So, a usual world politics, climate change, and racism. And in the second half, a re movie review of sorts, as it pertains to all the right-wing ex extremism popping up all over the world, and especially in the U.S. So, let's go to my first story of the week. My first one came out last Wednesday afternoon. It's from Tom Harmon's HarmonReport.com. America gets a civilian climate corps. This is an idea the time has come. So this is good news. President Biden implemented the CCC as of September 20th, 2023, to employ 1.5 million people to help mitigate global warming. This is an updated program from the original one that FDR had in place during the Depression years. Now we see that the MAGA Republicans are going to try and destroy it somehow. So far they've been quiet, but I think this whole business with uh, government shutdown and all that it's kind of got their attention. But once we get past that hurdle, then chances are the CCC is going to come under, come under fire. My next story, California is engaged in the world's largest dam removal project in hopes of letting nature rebound. Another good article here, a good news article. A national push to rewild looks to restore natural environments that might help mitigate the effects of climate change. And this one came out of NBC.News by Maura Barrett. Jackie Montalvo, and Kate Way Waters. California is removing all the dams across the Klamath River in a bid return to land to what it was before the dams were built. Now, this is in Northern California. The idea is to make the sediment and land stable again and mitigate the effects of climate destruction. Now, if only the rest of the country would take a lesson here. The era of climate migration is here, leaders of vulnerable nations say. Heads of climate vulnerable nations gather on the sidelines of the United Nations Climate Summit to call for new policies and agreements to manage the millions of people who are being forced in their homes by extreme weather. 
by Nicholas Kuznets and InsideClimate.News. So this article puts in print what people have been trying to say for a while, including me. Climate migrants have been on the move for years, and someone needs to pay attention. This was brought up in the UN conference last week, and it appears to be waking up some people now. Like anything else with world leaders these days, they wake up after it's too late to do anything, except try to close the gates after most of the herd has already escaped. So as we know, climate migrants have been headed north for the last 10 years, 15 years or more. And now the UN has decided, oh, well, this might be a problem. You think? South Africa. And this is a crime story. Cannabis muffins given to 90 school children out of BBC.com by Gabriela Pomeroy, Nomsa Maseko, uh, BB News, London, and Johannesburg. If you thought the school lunch program in the U.S. had issues with food quality, things could be worse. These kids, 90 kids, ate a bunch of muffins from a couple of street vendors outside their school, and it was low on campus and made them all sick. A couple of them got in the hospital really bad. Yeah, could be a lot worse. Don't complain too much. South Korea passes new law to protect teachers from bullying parents. And this one out of BBC News by Gene McKenzie, the sole, a sole correspondent. So it's an update from a store last week I gave you from South Korea about all the teachers over there going on strike because they were being bullied and harassed and everything else. So South Korean government hurriedly passed some reform laws to bring the teachers off the picket lines and back into the classrooms. The teachers have been on strike for nine weeks now. And here's an example for the United States with regard to their teacher situation. Maybe if all the teachers in the United States went on strike, might get somebody's attention. Alarm over fascist-like fascist protest at Ireland's seat of government. Mock gallows erected covered in pictures of politicians and ugly scenes in Dublin. This came out of TheGuardian.com by Emma Graham Harrison in the Dublin. It appears nowhere is safe in the world anymore from right-wing nutcases who are willing to use violence and intimidation to get what they want. In this case, no one's quite sure what they wanted. It just seems like they wanted to bully people, bully people because they could. And that was the whole thing about this. They, you know, reporters went and asked these people, what exactly are you protesting? And they, they were like mouthing all kinds of weird stuff and could never come up with some kind of consensus. So nobody really knows what they were protesting, but they were seriously harassing people on the street and intimidating government officials, all kinds of stuff. So now we're going to go to Saudi Arabia. Mohammed bin Salman says he will continue doing sport washing for Saudi Arabia. Crown Prince doesn't care about claims against his country. Saudis have invested heavily in football, golf, and other sports. This is from TheGuardian.com by Paul McKins. Here's what the Western world needs to understand about the Saudis and Prince Mohammed bin Salman. He doesn't care about them. All that matters to him is boosting his country's GDP any way he can. Morality and ethics don't matter unless it's in, the, you know, in line with the Muslim religion. Taking money from Western country is all in a day's work. And this one I got from Medium.com. It's an LGBTQ, kind of a women's conservative kind of thing. My body, my choice, unless you're trans, says Canada conservatives. 
Canadian conservatives appear confused when dreamy thoughts of American-style anti-vax liberty crash headfirst into the realities of medical autonomy for Canada's children, both cis, CIS, and trans, by Megan McKee. So this is an eye-opener from a Canadian. She sounds like a lot of American trans activists, and she hits this whole business with the white conservatives right in the face. Why is it that descendants of the white European colonists still want to try and rule the world and make it all in their Christian image? Is this the leftover from the doctor of discovery and is somehow imbued in their DNA? Well, you know, you know, I kind of talked about a little bit about that, but that's as far as I'm going to go with that today. Advocates back Pentagon move to fix discharge records of LGBTQ plus personnel. DOD to review cases of veterans denied honorable discharges under don't ask, don't tell policy, but critics say more can be done. And this again came out of TheGuardian.com. This one out of U.S. News. The American Department of Defense is working to correct the wrongs done to LGBTQ plus people from decades ago. It's a good start, but it doesn't make the hurt go away. Some of these people were devastated economically by being gay back in the bad old days of don't ask, don't tell. Nothing can erase those bad times. And that's what the fight is all about. Yes, they appreciate that the government is trying to, you know, compensate them a little bit now uh, by reversing their discharges and stuff. But that's now. That doesn't happen, you know, the last 20 years. It does, that doesn't go away. Posters for whites only parent and child group in Metro Vancouver draw outrage. Signs appear in Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, calling for proud parents of European children to join. CBC News. Only in America, North America that is, starting to look more like some Canadians want to mimic their U.S. cousins. More leftovers from the doctrine of discovery and white exceptionalism. It's not so much about the community outrage it's important to note. It's the idea that things have changed enough to where these groups feel emboldened enough to become more public, especially in Canada. And this one goes another story from Guantanamo Bay. CIA abuse rendered 9-11 defendant unfit for trial, U.S. military judge. Incompetency finding for Ramzi bin al-Shib means the prosecution of his four co-defendants would continue without him. This came out of Al Jazeera. It's a follow-up to a story I presented a few weeks ago, how the American CIA tortured these POWs. I mean, I, I call them POWs. And... You know, they don't call them POWs. And they treated them so badly that now they're mentally incompetent to even stand trial now. So that new plan is to keep them in prison in Guantanamo until they are fit to stand trial, which is pretty much the same thing as a life sentence. Stupid Americans. Northern Ireland libraries can no longer afford to buy books. A funding shortfall means the country's library service will operate with reduced hours. It is unable to purchase new books or take requests at, at present. Again, another coming out of the Guardian.com. Northern Ireland has been in economic trouble for a while, but this is a sign that things are getting worse. When the public libraries can no longer afford any new books and are reducing staff and hours, this along with severe housing shortage across the whole island means that things are, are going to come to a head very soon. And I mentioned something about this before. And I'm not going to promote a political party this week. I did that enough already. But the idea is that the current governing parties over there are having a lot of problems. And the people are starting to uh, say enough's enough. And you need, to t you need to do better. 
And it's going to come to a head here in the next set of elections. You wait and see. Cruel tragedy. And I'm going now, I'm going over to West China. Cruel tragedy. Uyghur scholar sentenced to life in prison in China. Rahil Dawit was convicted on charges of endangering state security in a secret trial, U.S.-based foundation says. And this came out of Al Jazeera News. It's an article about social injustice. Lest we forget the plight of the Uyghurs of Western China, who have suffered under a heavy blanket of slavery, torture, and jail for supposed dissident behavior and every other kind of crimes against humanity, all because they dared to stand up to Beijing for their religious and cultural beliefs. They're Muslims, and the PRC doesn't tolerate any religion that might possibly cause any trouble. The government is afraid of them, so they have undertaken a draconian approach that dates back to the old days of Mao Zedong's cultural revolution where so many were killed. The idea is that they force the Yurgers into re-education camps. They will give up their radical Islamic ways and become good Chinese. The government doesn't care how they do it, as long as they conform. Torture and death are at the top of the inhumane things that China's been condemned for. Re-education at any cost is better than a rebellion against any Han Chinese, and that's the way Beijing thinks. They pretty much have done the same thing in Hong Kong and want to do it to Taiwan. Now we're going to come back to the United States. Louisiana police accused of unconscionable abuse in Brave Cave. Baton Rouge officers allegedly brutalized the disrobed detainees in storage shed once used for an anti-street crime unit. This came out of the Guardian News. It's another story of what the U.S. police forces look like in a lot of southern districts. It's getting worse with the wink-wink, nod-nod attitudes in certain rural, majority-white-controlled local police districts, and not just in the South. In this particular case, they were stopped and brought to justice after they were discovered, but they really weren't hiding very much in the first place out of arrogance and a sense of white exceptionalism. How many other districts have yet to be brought to justice over similar abuses? Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Idaho, and a handful of others come to mind. Remember the black cops who were busted in Memphis, Tennessee a few months ago? What you don't know can hurt you if you let it. Extremists have turned Texas into a hotbed for hate report finds. The report blames an alarming rise in extremist ideology and activity on white supremacist and anti-LGBTQ plus groups that are active or headquartered in Texas by Robert Downen in texastribune.org. It seems, according to this report from the Anti-Defamation League, that Texas is attracting a lot of extremists and white supremacist groups in the last few years, and it's getting worse. These groups have found a haven in Texas because of certain churches and the governor himself on his war on immigrants. Will these groups eventually take over the state and turn it into their own private kingdom someday soon? Well, it's starting to look more and more like Texas might want to go their own way and become their own country. I know if Babbitt had his way, that's what he'd do. Trouble is, he can't afford it. So now i got another article here from Texas. This came out of this morning's news. This is treason. National Guardsman aiding migrant that crossed the border hit with trafficking accusations. Conservatives are convinced that Biden has ordered his troops to tear down the border by Mikhail Thalen. This came out of the DailyDot.com. Another example of white people going crazy over disinformation on social media. A clipped video got posted showing a reserve soldier helping a migrant. 
What they didn't show was a soldier helping the migrant out of the concertina wire and handing the migrant over to the border patrol. So disinformation once again blows up the right-wing newscasts and X slash Twitter with everything under the sun, like calls to hang the soldier as a spy and all sorts of nonsense. This is what social media does. It creates havoc, disinformation, blows people up, you name it, and next thing you know, you got a mess. I mean, Fox News even picked this up. You know, of course, we all know how they are. House Republicans, as government shut down nears, nobody told us we'd have to govern. We're all about burning the whole place down. We're pretty sure Reps Marjorie Taylor Greene and Andy Briggs recently got matching burn the whole place down tattoos on their necks by Rex Hupke and USA Today. So this is a satirical look at the GOP with their temper tantrums and threats to get their way. Much like a group of spoiled toddlers in kindergarten. And it's, like I said, it's a satirical article. It's actually pretty funny, and I reckon, you know, it's a good read. Now we're going to get serious. So I've talked a little bit in the past about United States military and troop readiness, a lot of it dealing with lack of recruiters being able to meet stand, you know, meet their quotas and all kinds of stuff and the reasons why. Well, I got another article I picked up a couple of days ago, and this is one of the reasons why. Because when you see stuff like this going on, and of course it's going to hit social media and all that, yeah, this is why kids don't want to go in the military. Troops plagued by filthy conditions, squatters in military barracks, report. Service members have been forced to live in buildings with problems ranging from pests to toxic waste by Michael Nee and Fox News. And, you know... I hate Fox News, but actually this article hits right on ahead. As much as I hate it, I had brought you this story about a GAO inspection that found U.S. military soldier barracks plagued by broken sewage, plumbing, climate control systems, building structural issues that were allowing squatters to move into empty barracks rooms. And the DOD wants to know why they can't recruit new soldiers, sailors, and airmen into their ranks anymore. Well, imagine being a soldier, and I encountered this back in 20 years ago when I was stationed at what's now Fort Liberty here in North Carolina, that the infantry barracks, just not too far from where I used to work, got evacuated because the plumbing in the place was so bad, sewage was coming up through the deck drains, and the kids were living in that stuff. And then finally, they got permission to move to a different barracks, but it took them a while. So can you imagine getting some kind of a, you know, a duty of having to clean up the bathrooms in these places because you got raw sewage coming up through the deck drains? Now, I mean, that's, you know, that's just wrong. And that was 20 years ago. Well, apparently it's pretty bad enough to the government accountability or um, office has made an inspection and said, hey, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're doing really bad things here. So now we're going to go back overseas, sort of. There was a conference um, here recently in the United States, um, and it involved a lot of uh, Pacific nations out there, and they came to the United States to meet with President Biden. Um, but it didn't quite go so well. I mentioned something about it a little bit last week. Uh, now we're going to talk a little more. Temper tantrums and invasion threats over Solomon Islands deal with China will push Pacific allies away. So this is an article about a year old by Terrence Wood. Behaving like the security deal is a catastrophe 
lessens our standing in a region sick of being seen as geostrategic chessboard. This came out of The Guardian a year ago. So it's an old article from an Australian journalist regarding the outrage the Aussies had over imagined Chinese imperial objectives. Goes to show you that the apple doesn't fall too far from the English apple tree with certain Australian political circles. Does this sound familiar? You Americans, does that sound familiar? So now this article this week. Biden Pacific Summit suffers setback as Solomon Islands PM skips meeting. U.S. says it's disappointed Prime Minister Manessa Sogavari will not attend Monday's summit amid race for influence with China. Again, another come out of theguardian.com. So Biden disappointed that the PM sends his minion instead of coming himself. There's some kind of feudal hierarchy thing where kings will only deal with other kings and not some prince of the realm. The U.S. better get over themselves, realize they are not the superpower they once were, and could no longer bully other small countries anymore, especially since the U.S. has a reputation now of reneging on promises of late. Since China is willing to step into vacuum left by the U.S., they're looking at whoever has the cash in hand and not empty promises. This something the descendants of the European colonizers are famous for since they first came ashore into North America. And I say North America because this, a canoe, this includes the Canadians. And we're going to go back over to the South Pacific. Philippines removes South China Sea floating barrier installed by China. Manila says President Marcos issued the order in defiance of Beijing's position that the disputed area belongs to China. Another article out of Al Jazeera. In this ongoing territorial dispute, China laid out a line of floating buoys to deter Philippine sea traffic from around the Scarborough Shore area. The Philippine Coast Guard has removed that barrier, but everyone's waiting anxiously to see what China's going to do next. Well, so far, they're just saying you shouldn't have done that, and yada, 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 but nothing physical yet. So, you know, what's going to happen? Is the Chinese Coast Guard to come out and water cannon some boats again, or what? Now we're going to go across the world. And this has been in the news here recently a lot. Nagorno-Karabakh's Armenians start to leave en masse for Armenia. This came out of Reuters. After the latest military incursion killing several, the Armenians here have finally decided that after decades of border skirmishes, enough was enough. They're all moving back to Armenia. Armenia is walking them back, and the Azeris can have their little bit of land back now. Will that be the end of the conflict? Well, supposedly for now, anyway. So to kind of give you a little background, in case you don't know, there's a little bit of kind of a enclave of Armenians. And they basically had this little mountain area over in um, Azerbaijan that these ethnic, uh, uh, you know, Armenians have been living in. I mean, they, this thing, this area has been in dispute for a couple of decades. And, you know, they would have little border skirmishes and everybody would fall back and everybody's arguing and fighting and so on and so forth. Well, it got to the point where there's uh, the uh, you know Azerbaijan government set troops in there and killed some people. So now the Armenians are starting to say, well, OK, these guys are getting serious. Guess we need to leave. You know, you think? But it goes to show you what's going on in the rest of the world. A lot of people are saying this is our territory and we don't like strangers. Not that, you know, the Armenians are really strangers, but they are. So now we're going to go to Slovakia and Poland. 
More than democracy is at stake in Poland's and Slovakia Poland. If Slovaks and Poles vote in conservative populist forces, this would not bode well for EU unity on Ukraine. By Sonia Mozakorova, political economist focusing on Central and Eastern Europe. It was another one I got out of Al Jazeera. So this is a story you won't see in the U.S. mainstream news. If you read between the lines, there appears to be a subtle Kremlin influence going on here. Likely bribes of monetary incentives for Robert Fico in Slovakia, and the Poles just be a contrary because they hate the Russians. If they both vote for populist nationalistic governments this fall, the EU and NATO may be in big trouble. If the U.S. continues on its current trajectory, the whole world may be in trouble. Is there going to be another global war in the future? Well, there's a lot of thought on that right now. And I brought this up because more and more countries over there are starting to head down that road of nationalistic and populist-type governments. They like the idea of no immigrants coming across their borders. They don't want to take care of them and all this. And that's part of what Poland's problem is. The other thing, they got a, they're got they in a fight with Ukraine over, over grain prices um, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's a hot mess over there right now, getting worse. So that's the end of my first half. It's time to take my break. So while I'm on my break, you know, listen to my little advertising here, and I'll be back in a couple of minutes the second half of the show. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crombiha.com. You may use the link in the newsletters to find it for the first time, as the name is in Gaelic, and a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like what I write, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, there is a homepage where you can learn a little more about what Crombie Hall means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little bit more about me in general. I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast newsletters. I also have a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts and Spotify, a page with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you enjoy reading short stories, poetry, and blog articles from great writers around the world, I recommend Medium and Substack as great choices to find what you like to read about most and dive in as much as you want. Disclaimer, if you want to read my complete articles and stories in Medium.com, you will need to sign up for a subscription of $5 a month or $50 a year. I offer everything for free for one month in Substack. Then it's $5 a month or $30 a year with an advert to sign up on my webpages. These are the minimums these companies will allow me to charge, unfortunately. All the stories, poetry, and newsletters I write will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to subscribe to anything. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I will respond very quickly via email. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. 
I watched what I thought was going to be another innocuous Hollywood movie last weekend called Amsterdam. I chose it because it had a bunch of A-list movie stars in it and received good reviews. Little did I know that it was a parody of the state of current political affairs in the United States and in the Western world. The movie takes place in 1933, but frequently goes back in time to 1918, where the main characters met at the end of World War I in a hospital. Kristen Bale is a doctor from New York City who wants to be a practicing doctor on Park Avenue, married to who he thinks he loves, a Park Avenue socialite. But as he is the son of poor immigrants, the young lady's parents don't like him and convince him to volunteer for a New York Army regiment destined for the Argonne Forest in Belgium in 1918. They didn't intend for him to return home. The movie plot goes back and forth between the end of the war, where the doctor and his best friend meet a nurse on the run from her own family troubles in New York society and their life together in Amsterdam right after the war, up to 1933, where the doctor returned home to New York to practice medicine helping wounded war veterans. This was before the Veterans Administration was set up here in the United States. The doctor had been thrown out of his home by his socialite wife as soon as he returned, and that's where the plot of the movie takes off. So in a chase to keep from going to jail for a crime they didn't commit, the two main characters chase around searching for clues and end up involved with American Nazis, the U.S. Secret Service, and MI6. It was the ending that got my attention because of Robert, the speech that Robert De Niro gave to Congress, which was a mirror of one given by an Army general by the name of Smedley in 1940 to Congress, detailing a plot by Nazi Germany to convince military veterans to take over the country in a coup. My point in nearly giving away the plot and ending of this movie was to show the people in the United States that Russia is trying to do the same thing again. They tried in 2016 and were largely successful in helping convince the uneducated masses of Americans in the poor, urban, and rural areas that they were coming for us and that only Donald Trump could protect the American dream from being subverted. Now they're trying again, with help from China, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iran, North Korea, and who knows how many others. Disinformation via social media is the game plan. It worked before, so try it again. So far it's working as planned. So X now, used to be Twitter, is the number one social media player doing a lot of this, but there are others like Meta and Facebook, Instagram, for instance. Zuckerberg isn't actively fomenting revolution like Musk, but his unwillingness to control his platform speaks volumes. All he cares about is making money. Right-wing podcasts and radio shows are doing their best to whip up support for all this GOP takeover and the subversion of American democracy as we know it. One has to wonder who their corporate sponsors are. And if you listen to Tom Hartman's Hartman Report or listen to his broadcast every day, he will tell you straight up it's all these wealthy billionaires. So, you know, kind of wonder... I mean, obviously, in order to support all this stuff, somebody's got to have some pretty big pockets. There are more and more GOP-run states that are using gerrymandering to take complete control of their states against the will of the voters. But that's the point. An extreme GOP takeover of the United States and a remake of the Constitution, or do away with it altogether, may be the mission objective here. Once you have complete control of the country, both in D.C. and the majority of the state legislatures, the gloves will finish coming off. Whomever they pick as their authoritarian leader will be a puppet led by the likes of Putin and Xi Jinping, a new world order. Only the Republican voters are too blinded by their fear and hatred to see it coming. The world's oligarchy wants to control the global economy, and they need all the world's governments to give obeisance to them.
much like the group of corporate CEOs trying to convince the retired general to take over the country in the movie and hand everything over to the Nazis. All they care about is the money. They don't care who the national figureheads are as long as, as they want to own them outright. Or that's the plan anyway. The movie put a lot of current events in perspective as it shows the audience that history is starting to repeat itself once again. A repeat of the 1930s. Only this time with more modern technology to use against an unsuspecting public. Social media is this century's answer to the radio reporters from the early 20th century. Largely uncontrolled disinformation is being allowed to permeate the Internet in controlled online platforms. I say controlled because Elon Musk is controlling it in his own way. Facebook is controlling things in their own way. And so on and so forth. Um, in TikTok and all the rest of them. They, are, they have their own agendas. So think about it. Within the richest Western countries, the world is seeing a regression of public education. The learning standards are being set back in favor of ideology, either political or religious ideologies subverted by fear. And that's by design. The less educated the masses become, the easier it is to manipulate them to the end goal. This is not happening in just the United States, but in Germany, Italy, and other European countries, and Australia as well. The worldwide pandemic shutdowns allowed things to accelerate a lot faster now. More and more GOP presidential candidates are rallying around the idea of others coming to steal the country from the real patriots, mostly white Anglo-Saxon Christians in the U.S., again, by design. Pit the white Christians against everyone else, and you got a recipe for revolution. Especially if you point that out and make them remember the original revolutions that toppled monarchies back in the late 18th centuries. France had their guillotine, and the U.S. their hangman's gallows, something these uneducated GOP radicals want to bring back. The latest rallying cry for a few now is becoming hang them high. The cheapest way to do this is spread disinformation to less educated white people that their current government is trying to take away their life and try to convince them that only a violent insurrection will give that back to them. Help one political party take over the country without telling them their real reason and they want, why they want to do so. Blinding the politicians with so much money that they can't help themselves in giving the global oligarchs what they want. That's how you end up owning one of the richest countries in the world. Australia is going through a lot of the same attacks on their institutions, much like the Americans. England is nearly finished as a wealthy nation now, and there are predictions they will continue to devolve into a second-tier country, isolated from the world at large. Now, how did that happen? Media and disinformation that convinced half the citizens that the EU was going to come take away their culture by forcing them to take in more migrants from poor African countries. It was just enough to get Brexit, vo Brexit voted in, and they've regressed severely since. There's no go back to what they were. No more British Empire. If they do manage to climb back up the mountain of prosperity again someday, Britain won't look the same as it did. The United States and Australia are going through their own identity crisis for the same reasons. Disinformation that is bringing on near hysteria of losing a certain portion of their culture. The fact that this culture was created by mass genocide and enslavement of natives and Africans doesn't mean anything. The global oligarchs want the collective masses to forget about that part of their past. If they could bring it back, they would all for the sake of ruling the world at large. Imagine a future where all the world's governments were relegated to being puppets of a global corporate entity. All of those humans that can't make it up the corporate ladder become slaves 
forced to work for the corporate heads. Freedoms are long gone. This is an extreme vision of a possible future for humanity. Rampant pollution that kills off most of the humans and other animal life. What's left of humanity living in corporate-provided enclaves or out in the hinterland surviving in a wasteland? We don't have to accept that future. Humans need to wake up to what is going on and break up these corporate entities before they take over everything. Wars don't need to happen. The biggest thing that drives them is fear. Mostly a fear of losing our cultural identity. Those things don't need to be threatening. But global warming is exasperating that fear as more and more climate migrants seek a more hospitable environment to live in. Overcrowding and a lack of basics is driving a sense of insecurity with the inhabitants already in habitable lands as more and more migrants head towards what they hear about as a better environment. Again, disinformation designed to make a small group of humans more money. With better technology now, these inhabitants are fighting back against those who they see as rivals for their food and shelter. More disinformation is being spread to keep them angry, which means more money for the billionaires. Little skirmishes like Nagarno Karabakh are just the beginning. As more and more climate migrants head for what they think is a better life in the Northern Hemisphere and the Australian continent in the South, more, the more skirmishes like that will break out. Slovakia is just another good example making the news this week. The right-wing candidate there is running out of fear of immigrants platform like the American GOP. If this behavior keeps up, pretty soon there will be another global war over resources. This time, with better weapons, the destruction of loss and loss of life will be over the top, way beyond World War II. The war in Ukraine is just a small example of what to expect. As humans that have supposedly evolved, I don't see that evolutionary involvement. All I see is continuous tribal warfare with better tools. Not that much different than our ancient forebears who fought over hunting lands for access to woolly mammoths and whatever else they hunted back then. We can do better than this continuous tribal warfare. We must if we're to save this planet from killing us off and reverting the remnants of life back to hunter-gatherer tribes of our ancient ancestors. So that's all I've got for you this week. Relatively short show compared to some of the other ones. I hope I've enlightened you with my little choices here. And as I close out my show, again, I'm going to give you a question and kind of based on the what I just talked about. Where do you stand with regard to right-wing populism in your country's politics? Are any of you worried about an authoritarian government that might be uh, trying to take over what you currently have? Think about that as you go through your week. Are you worried? I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. You'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. Just search for the Village Oak Tree in your favorite podcast app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Key, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. Nothing but happiness goes through your door. Schlango foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. <laughs>